Hey everybody, it's me. Please hit that subscribe button, the like button, that notification bell, or whatever you can do on whatever podcast platform that you are on. Interact with us. Leave comments. Share it with your friends. Share it with your enemies that you might want to be friends with again. They might hate you more. It doesn't matter. Do it anyway. We would appreciate that. And we do appreciate you. Thank you. Now on to the show. and welcome to the Triple Clowns, where we're talking horse racing and a whole bunch of horse shit at the same time. Now, we're going to have a fun, fun episode here. I know everybody's a little bit down, but we're going to bring you a little bit of happiness, hopefully, and a little bit of knowledge. So we're going to have, obviously, the horse racing news. We have an interview with Vance Hansen, the great Vance Hansen from Brisnet and also Twin Spires, and does a bunch of other things, we find out. Fantastic interview with the great Vance Hansen. We're also going to obviously go over our top five derby contenders. Uh, we're going to talk about our my, my horse to watch, and also a hot jockey. And then we're going to go into the, we're going to dive into the, the darkness of AJ's Degenerate Corner. So hold on, listen up. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's start right now with the news. Sarah, take it away. Give us the news. All right, guys. So first up, uh, Santa Anita, you know, they're still closed, but they are working to possibly move to Los Alamitos. They have a meeting at the end of April the 22nd with the California Horse Racing Board. Los Alamitos and Orange County. So fingers crossed that is an option as they are still not getting a response that they're happy with from LA County. Which means there's no response, right, AJ? We talked about this before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, Churchill Downs plans to offer additional betting pools throughout the summer. Uh, the fourth betting pool closed this Sunday. Um, and that would have been the last one if all of this ha has happened with the, with the uh, derby being moved. So keep your eye out. They haven't released any information or dates or anything, but keep an eye out. There are going to be future pools opening up since the derby's now in September. Um, another note, Churchill Downs spring meet has been postponed. It was supposed to be April 25th. No date has been set, but just keep an eye out for that as it has been postponed. And for our international fans who are listening, I just wanted to bring up that the Royal Ascot is still hoping to race. They are waiting on approval from the British Horse Racing Authority, but it would be racing without spectators. And last but not least, Oakland Stakes is coming up this Saturday. Um, mischievous Alex, he was on the dock to run as well as Diamond King but service is not going to be sending his horses because of the coronavirus. He, he just doesn't want to risk having his trainers and everyone go down there without the hopes of them being able to come home. 
That's a good point. If you can't come home. Okay, so that's your news. I have a couple things to mention on this, AJ, and you might want to add to this, I'm sure. Los Alamitos, we, I, I believe I mentioned that at some point. They don't have a turf track. I know that. That's weird. We talked about going to Golden Gate, but, you know, Big Gary shot that one down. Well, um, I said Del Mar as well. No, Golden Gate is closed. I mean, that was before Golden Gate was closed. But um, Del Mar, uh, I don't know what that county's doing. Los Alamitos is not that far from Santa Anita, really. I mean, kind of, but not really. So, yeah, I mean, if they want to do that, then go to another county and race there. I'm sure the people do that. I, I'm not a huge fan of Los Alamitos because I hate that they don't have a turf track. But they're running right now. They're doing quarter yeah, horses still. They're doing quarter horses. Um, so then that brings up a point, then why couldn't they go to Delmar? Because wouldn't Delmar be Orange County as well? I, I, I don't, but is it the same county? I believe so. Maybe, something... maybe they're not built for it. I mean, they might just be like, no, we, we wait till the fair opens. And I don't know. I don't know. Um, we could get into a whole thing about that. What's going on? If they bring in the Los Alamitos, all of a sudden, they'll be against it probably. I, I don't know. Um, hopefully, just Santa Anita opens back up. And we can go on and on about that because we're not happy with it. We're not very politically correct about it, I don't think, either, which we should be. <laughs> but um, Should we? No, we shouldn't yeah. be. But the world thinks we probably should be. But we're not. The, the last pool in Churchill, what you talked about, that, that is ridiculous. That, that's never going to happen. I don't know why people keep saying it's the last pool. It's the last pool usually when it's run on May. There's no way they're not. That, that's your odds. If Nadal goes out, just say, Nadal goes out and wins three races before the Derby by 40 lengths, you think Vegas is going to let him stay at those odds? Even though if you bet him now, you did get that number. But they're going to take in more money. So I guess it doesn't matter if he won by 40 lengths. I shouldn't say that. It doesn't matter. But you know they're going to bait people. They're going to want more money in the pool. I think there's like almost $200,000 in the pool or something I, I read. Um, they're going to want a million dollars in the pool. Why wouldn't they? It's more money. Yeah. They're going to open up the pool. You have to be stupid to think they're not going to open up a pool to make more money. That's crazy. You know, I mean, listen, and I'll say this, and I'm, I, I think I'm going to reiterate it when we give our top five. The futures bet is an awesome bet, but it's a sucker's bet. Because half the ones, if we put those top five in there right now, there's one on there that will be higher odds when they go to the, to the gate. So say I have like, like right now, I've, when I say money moves, which you'll hear about later on, he's obviously the field, so it's a whole different ball game. Just say Maxfield. And Maxfield runs like once and does okay. He'll probably be over nine to one, which he's at right now. So I think it's a sucker bet a lot of times because sometimes when you get a horse at 20 to one and you're like, oh, I got this horse that might be a, a whatever. Unless you're betting like the first pool, I believe it's, it's different because you can't, you can't go in there and think that they're going to be the same odds as what you got. And long story short, 
you bet a horse at 10 to one, that's, ah, he's out there, you know, a Soli Volante or whatever he is. It's going to be higher probably by the gate, you know, than whatever, just because you're going to have the favorites being, say, authentic, the doll, you know, charlatan. There's no room. There's 20 horses. So you might get them at the same odds right before the gate. So why risk the horse getting hurt not being in it? Because once the horse is in it, it's like you don't, get, you don't get your money back, people. If you bet a horse and he's not in the derby, you don't get refunded. It's not a scratch. So it's a little bit of a sucker's bet the more I think about it. And I thought about that last night a little bit. It's a little bit of a sucker's bet. But we still love it because you can grab that horse at 20 to 1. I think Charlatan, after he broke his maiden when we were there, Mm-hmm. And I and I said, I called my father, remember? And I said, this horse is a monster. And, you know, of course, you have the naysayers being like, it's a six furlong race or whatever it was. Like, settle down. Yeah. He was 15 to one if I bet him that weekend. And there's, I don't believe, and mark it down, you're not going to get him at the Derby at 15 to one. So if you put $100 to win on it, that probably, now it's the favorite. Yep. So if the Derby was tomorrow, he's going to be two to one. 15 to one, not bad. Anyway, that's my <laughs> rant that's about that. That's your rant. Yeah. And as for, obviously, Royal Ascot, that's cool. Um, yeah, because they are currently not racing at all. And they're still doing it. Yeah, no they are playing it. Well, because what they came out and said is, you know, with all due respect to this pandemic, this is a source of income for people and this is a source of entertainment and it's something that people probably need at this point. Yeah. Take their mind off. Of yeah. For a second. Which, you know, Hong Kong said the same thing, which is why they're still racing. And Same. they bring in money. Yes. More than all these other things that they say people can do. Yes. Well, that was part of Santa Anita's argument. They were saying basically the same thing. We're adhering to all these health restrictions and, and testing everybody and running without spectators, but people need the entertainment. They, you know, we have, fa- you know, families that are part of this track that we, you know, we want to keep employed. Well, yeah, it's so many things from the entertainment to people that don't have to lose their jobs, don't have to. Yes. And they're there anyway. And I'm sure it just creates more money for them no matter what. It's going to be hard for them to get paid. And not lose their jobs. Right. We talk about that. Like, if the track's not generating anything and the horse not generating anything, those people that are making the money from that pay these people. So maybe they have to cut down because of it, even if they're still there, even if they're not getting thrown out of their homes. You know, uh, what do you think about that, AJ? Well, no, I mean. Well, we've talked about Santa Anita all the time, and it's it's we're, we're so down to bare bones of everything in this country where there's no entertainment. And well, I mean, I'm going to talk about it in a minute where I'm just betting on random bullshit because there's just nothing going on, and, and you have people continuing to to lose jobs, income, money, and it's you just got to keep somewhat of a semblance of of normalcy while we go through this while still being safe to the point where you know you've seen like. Um, I was reading an article today how domestic abuse uh, cases have, have has risen. Oh, but sorry. no, I mean I think in any, in anywhere.
you know, your boy, Mischievous Alex. Maybe he represents the dad there with Into Mischief. But um, yeah, so uh, anything else about the news, AJ? You good with that? Yeah, news is just sad anymore. <laughs> well, that's why we kind of try to take it away from that. Yeah. Like, I don't want to talk about this. Like, it's bad that, you know, we just got into that because I feel like we're trying to do something here that takes everybody away from it. Now that we've started the show off on the most depressing foot that we possibly can. You're welcome, guys. We'll move on. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. I guess it's, you can't even do from that. Um, so let's go right to let's get happier and go right to our interview with the great Vance Hansen. Okay, everybody, we are super excited to have on our show, gracing us with his presence, the one, the only, Vance Hansen. Vance Hansen is on Brisnet, and obviously they're hand-in-hand with Twin Spires. Write some great columns. Check him out. He'll tell you where to go to do it. Obviously, on Brisnet and Twin Spires. Easy enough. But Vance, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's our pleasure to have you on. Um, I'm going to start it off right away, Vance with, I'm going to ask you, which I always tend to forget to ask everybody, is, Vance, how did you become, how did you get into your career in, in horse racing, um, riding for it, and doing all that? I mean, did you have dreams of other things? Was horse racing like, you just fell into it? Did you grow up with it? Yeah, let me, let everybody know out there, how did you get into this horse racing realm, which you're a big wig in. How did you get into it? Well, I started going to the races with my dad when I was about nine, 10 years old. And I immediately fell in love with it. And probably from not too long after that, I just decided that was something I wanted to pursue as a career, just working in the industry. I didn't know exactly what that was going to be, but uh, that was kind of my goal from my high school years on. And uh, I soon discovered uh, information about the University of Louisville Equine Industry Program, uh, which is a business degree, but with emphasis on the horse industry. And uh, so uh, after high school, I moved from Minnesota to Louisville, attended that uh, college for four years, got my degree at uh, the equine program. And not too long before I graduated, uh, I applied for and got a job as a handicapper and writer for the Daily Racing Forum in Lexington and uh, worked for the forum for close to nine years. And then I moved over across the street and started at Brisnet and uh, working on their newsletters. And then uh, gradually uh, writing for twinspires.com and KentuckyDerby.com. And that's where I've been since 2008. All right, that's fantastic. And it does seem like, I love the fact that Kentucky is so much like that compared to the rest of the United States where there's no way where I grew up in New England that if you said, oh, I want to go and do, there'd be no shot at me doing that. It's more of a like, and I, and I, same thing, I went to the races at nine years old, but obviously you're around it. And the people we've talked to so far from Nick to Ed, you know, Ed, obviously Ed DeRosa, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's this culture out there that is fantastic. And it's awesome because I always wonder that, like this equine studies and everything. That's that's great. 
and you said the daily racing form that's in Kentucky as well. Uh, at the time, there was a, uh, a second branch in the Le in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, they're based. The headquarters is in New York City, but they did have a uh, a second uh, office in Lexington, where a lot of the handicappers and writers uh, worked in at the time. Well, that makes sense. Um, we lived in New York City. We moved out here from there, and you know, honestly, I couldn't picture it. But I did. I thought that uh, Daily Racing Form was there in New York, which totally makes sense because probably 90% of the people buying it for the last 100 years have been in New York um, just because of who they are. Uh, that, is, that is awesome. Um, uh, I have a question if you guys don't want to jump in right now. I, I want to get into it right now. Would you, you consider yourself, from the research I did about you, Vance, and what I've read, I would consider you, you're more of a, oddly enough, a turf guy. I don't want to say oddly enough. You're not odd in any way, Vance. But um, you're more of a turf guy, right? You're like the king of the turf, I hear. Is that true? Uh, how do you define king of the turf? I, I don't know, but you're like a big-time turf guy, <laughs> right? Like, I, I don't think you're actually the king of the turf. Like, you hang out with a crown on your head or anything. <laughs> no, definitely not royalty. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I do love handicapping. I love uh, betting the horses, not as much as say Ed DeRosa, for example, I think he bets every day. I, I, I like to partake, you know, a couple of times a week. Um, but yeah, a lot of my interest in racing also stems to, uh, from my interest in history in general. And I absolutely love racing history. And uh, for viewers and listeners who uh, will read some of the things that I've written for Brisnet and our other websites, a lot of them a lot of it are historical features and uh, things like that. So I do like a lot of aspects of uh, thoroughbred racing, but especially uh, I'm very fascinated by the, the history of the sport. I, I love that you said that because, and you'll probably uh, like this uh, story, which most people are like, whatever, because you love the history of racing. I put out something the other day and I, and I asked, and I put the top, uh, Phillies and mares, and I gave a 10 horse race. And I put a horse in there named Imp, which I'm sure you know. And when I read about Imp, I was weirdly, weirdly impressed that this story hasn't been told. Do you know the horse I'm talking about, Imp? I know the name. I haven't studied her career as closely as a lot of others. I think she was in the late 19th century, correct? Yes, yes, exactly. And the record was, I, I wish I had it down, but when you get a chance being a historian, uh, just read the record. It was like, I want to say like, I want to say it was like 52, 40, and 14. Like, you know, first, seconds, and thirds. It, it was unbelievable. And the track records and everything, and the fact that the horse must have, uh, you know, either raced till it was 30 or raced every other day. Pretty interesting thing that I read. And for everybody out there, uh, historically, so Vance is a historian on everything. Uh, that's an awesome thing. And I think we lost that a lot and everybody should appreciate that, that you're a historian of it. So with that being said about the turf, I have a big question for you, Vance, and maybe you can answer this because I've heard a couple different things from people inside the horse world. And I think it's a simple question and I don't know if anybody actually knows the answer. Why is it that horses are better on turf 
or dirt, what is the difference? And then I'll tell you what I've heard before, which I think might be crazy. But why is it that a horse is not good on dirt, but is good on turf or vice versa? Why do you think that is? Well, I'm not a physiological expert on the equine animal, but I know one aspect of it is that uh, horses that tend to perform better on turf also have, I think, what's called a, a, a turf foot, where the way their, their foot is you know, made, uh, I think that it just, they perform better on softer surfaces like grass, like mud, it, it, the, the way their foot is shaped. And uh, like I said, I'm not an expert in this. I, it's hard for me to articulate this, but I think that's one of the theories that I've discovered. And that's oh. why that's, I think that's why you have so-called turf sires, you have dirt sires. Uh, that's why, you know, generation after generation of horses in Europe, you know, will run naturally on grass, which is the preferred surface over there. And, and of course, but of course you also have, uh, you know, stallions and mares that, if they were good on dirt, they can throw, you know, horses that perform well on turf or on both surfaces. So uh, that's one that's one theory I have, or one theory that I'm a little aware of, uh, regards to how, uh, you know, which surface horses prefer to run over. That that's very interesting. So it's almost like an evolution thing or a genetic thing, which I mean, it, it makes sense. Um, I heard that uh, one of the big ones I heard. And tell me what you think about this, because I'm questioning it. I don't know. Is a heavier, like the horses that dig, like the solid, smaller horses, rather than the horses that, let's just say, glide, are better on dirt because they dig in more. And rather than, you know, like they're almost like gliding. I don't know how to say that. Like their, their foot is, and it, it might go right towards what you're saying. It's almost like being like flat-footed. It's probably like the guys that are good in the first five yards of the 40-yard dash and the other guys that aren't. Um, they just hit the surface quicker, how they're built. Um, but I did hear that like the short, stockier horses aren't as good on dirt because they dig in harder. Do you think there's any truth to that? Uh, there definitely could be. And I think that also goes to the fact that, you know, with dirt racing, the emphasis is very much on speed, whereas uh, in much of the world, uh, uh, for turf racing, it's on uh, stamina and, uh, you know, turning in that late closing kick is uh, generally a lot more important than American style speed shown on dirt courses on this continent is. So, yeah, there definitely could be uh, something to what you're saying as well. Yeah, it's such a weird angle. Um, you, you know, that dirt to turf thing, we did a thing about angles and it was like this turf to dirt, dirt to turf. Uh, thing that I guess that's the one thing that people really truly and after talking to you which uh, I know you won't say you're an expert on it but you're definitely more of an expert than we are and um, it, it's kind of like this this crapshoot because there are some great dirt horses that turn out great turf horses all the time so it, it, it is weird um, no that's fantastic uh, AJ Sarah any other questions for for I mean, I know you have questions for fans, but what are your questions before I hog the microphone? Oh, gosh, AJ. Before you hog the microphone? Yeah. <laughs> he always hogs the microphone. That's what I do. 
Um, well, I know you mentioned that you were speaking to Vance. I guess, Vance, do you have any interesting angles that you look at when it comes to the races? Uh, it, it, it tends to vary race to race. Uh, I, I don't have any specific ones that I look on a, on a regular basis. It all kind of depends on the, the kind of the kind of race I'm looking at, whether it's a stakes, maiden special, weight allowance, you know, sprint route, dirt turf, it's all kind of different. Uh, I, I think if there is one thing I'm trying to find a horse who I think is uh, in the trying to determine if they're in the right uh, part of their form cycle, which I think is a pretty significant and important factor. It's kind of hard to articulate sometimes if, unless I'm able to give you a specific example, but uh, I'm trying to find the horse, you know, an example of one coming off of a layoff. Is he going to be able to run his best race second time out, third time out? Just trying to determine the horse that I think is about ready to run its run its peak race today, uh, with with respect to its form cycle. I think that's probably one uh, factor that's kind of universal in my uh, in yeah. When coach. you say form cycle, um, and Sarah and AJ have no clue what we're talking about right now, but <laughs> um, do you go off the trainer more or the horse more with the form cycle? Uh, I would say trainer mostly. Yeah. I, I when, I, when I'm looking at a past performance of a particular horse, I'm almost trying to go race by race from the bottom of its past performances to today and saying to myself, we're trying to determine read between the lines. Okay. Why was this horse entered in that race? Why was he entered in this race? You know, I'm trying to read the trainer's mind a little bit to determine, okay, what's his goal with this horse? Why is he running in this spot? And sometimes uh, you make a pretty good educated guess and sometimes you whiff, but uh, that's kind of the way I approach uh, dissecting a race to an extent. Okay, that's always good to ask somebody that, listen, you had me at the fact that you don't bet all the races and you wait to bet them because that's really what, <laughs> those are the guys I wanna listen to because you have the control to do it. So you must see something when you do bet. Um, or is it, do you just bet the big races or something like that? Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a day in day out player. Uh, what I've tended to do uh, over the last few years is kind of concentrate my play on the big race days, Saturdays in particular. I tend to be kind of busy during the week with my actual work duties and so and with the best horses typically running on weekend cards anyway. Uh, that's kind of my emphasis, you know, where I can devote the kind of mental energy needed to handicap into that. I wait for the big race cards on the weekends. And I've also tended to limit my play to the top class races that you might find on a typical card stakes allowances maiden special weights i tend not to look at claiming races maiden claiming races unless i'm wanting to play like a pick five or a pick six and it's unavoidable that i have to study a claiming race then i won't do it uh, in general 
Okay, yeah, no, that's good. And I, I do agree with that. And I think everybody, well, not I, I can't say everybody should do that, but it is true. I think you watch the races and watch the horses that are on Thursdays and Fridays that are going to end up being on Saturdays. And that's kind of fun because it's almost like they build up to be in those big races. And let's face it, we all don't have enough money to, you know, bet every race. Or you're, well, it's not that we don't have enough money. You're just going to lose money in general. And everybody knows that. Um, I like that. I like, I like showing up for the big races. I like that, that angle. Um, yeah, that, and you bring up a very important factors of, you know, bankroll and money management. And uh, I just kind of feel that uh, when my expertise pans out, it's usually in the higher class races where I think um, horses' forms are generally a lot more consistent. I just find it a lot uh, a better a better betting product than the higher end races, typically. No, that totally makes sense, and that's what you always hear about, and 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 I do like that. Um, it's hard for me to watch races. I'll be honest, and I know it's hard for AJ over there to ever watch a race that he doesn't bet on. <laughs> uh, I don't see the point. No, <laughs> um, but that's the way you do it. And, and that's how you, how you learn. Um, uh, AJ, any questions for Vance? Because I'm going to ask him another question that's. I know you are. You keep going. You're on a roll. Okay, good. Because I'm just going to keep going. Vance, have you ever thought about, because I read your articles and how you write and what you know about horses. And you, maybe you have that I didn't see you have. Have you ever thought about writing a book or anything about that? You know, a couple of friends over the years have, uh, you know, brought up the idea. Uh, they appreciate my writing, my, what, my knowledge on some topics. But then, you know, I've, I've looked at, I'm a, I, I do read a lot. I love biographies and nonfiction. And when I pick up a book and I read it, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if I could possibly ever do something like this, you know, the amount of research that would, and uh, the, the amount of time it would take to produce a book like that, I, I think is just beyond my temperament, I think. And perhaps not beyond my uh, skill level, but just, uh, I don't know if writing a full length book would be for me, but I, I think I do have somewhat of a knack for writing shorter pieces, you know, magazine style pieces. I think that's as as a writer. I think that's probably my sweet sweet spot more than uh, going whole hog and writing an actual book. Oh no, absolutely! Listen, your capabilities are there, and and for everybody out there, if you can read any of Vance's uh, columns, uh, anything he writes, he you can tell by the way you articulate things that it's, it, it is, I, I felt right away, like you could write something. So, you know, that's a compliment, obviously. It's different than most things you read. You do write a little bit of a story um, compared to most people and no offense to any people out there, but it is more of, I don't know. Um, and I feel you because I write as well. And I'm, I'm the same way where I can write a script or a, you know, or a script that turns into a comic book or something like that, but I could never sit down and even write a column because I don't articulate that well. But your capabilities are definitely there. And I was curious because when I read your stuff, I really thought like you are, a, you know, a legitimate like writer writer. And um, 
I say that when I say writer, writer, and no offense to everybody out there that's a writer, because they're really good at what they do. But you're actually like a, a uh, you know, a, a knowledgeable, which they all are knowledgeable, but a historian and articulate with how you write. So, you know, it's, I appreciate that. Thank you. And, yeah, no uh, worries. And uh, I, I honestly don't have a journalistic background either. I basically, I, I never worked at a I mean, before the racing form, I never worked at a newspaper, never uh, did reporting, really. So it's, I guess it's an ability that kind of came naturally to me uh, through reading a lot of, as a young person. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate the compliments. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, listen, I, I, I kind of went through the same thing, not to always bring myself up, but uh, I, I never had a writing background. But it's something, you know, sometimes you're just good at putting words in for something you love and good for you. It's awesome. Uh, any questions for Vance before we get on to his top five? Um, no, well, actually I had a, not really a question, but maybe an opinion. So um, just going back to when you're talking about the history of horse racing, um, you know, horse racing, they used to be big events and families would go and it was, you know, what they did that day. And now it seems like the tracks only really fill up on big events. Um, even on weekends, tracks don't seem to bring the draw like they, they used to. Do you think there is a potential for bringing that back? I think the big event days in racing uh, will stay big events. Day-to-day uh, -day racing, uh, where you know 20 30,000 people will show up on a routine Wednesday or Thursday, unfortunately. That those days are long past uh, in previous generations. Uh, you know, what happened 40 50 years ago, uh, you know, racing at that time was the only uh, gambling allowed virtually in the entire United States and had a monopoly on the gambling dollar. And if you had to bet, you had to be at the track. If you had to, if you wanted to bet legally, you had to be at the track, and that's in part what uh, uh, you know had generated crowds of you know twenty, thirty thousand people a day at uh, most in most major cities. Now, uh, with betting at home at your fingertips, uh, you know, just uh, unless you want to go out to the races and enjoy the camaraderie have a good time with your friends it's not necessary anymore so and in the big race days those are always going to be very popular you know the triple crown events breeders cup and then certain tracks like keeneland oakland and saratoga those will always be popular on track uh, events to go to and attend but day-to-day uh, -day racing uh, it's just not going to be that way anymore no, that makes sense. And I just read an article, uh, I think today, but or might have been yesterday, I don't know, that Vegas is worried about that now because since nobody's in Vegas and you know sports are going wherever, that people are realizing they can stay home in bed, which I'm sure they realized before, but once they get comfortable doing it, which I think you're right, and horse racing, they have become comfortable doing it. At Twin Spires, I do bet at Twin Spires. I know AJ. Is a Bovada guy, uh, but uh, you're, you're absolutely right, and that's a good point. I never actually even thought of that, where people don't have to go to the track before they had to run down 
Yeah. And I grew up running bets at a dog track for people. And that's true. People that were working during the day when I was like 16, 17 years old, I ran bets for people at a dog track. You couldn't go online and do it. No, like people true. would legitimately get, and I'd, and I'd get like 20% of anything they won. But they I'm always lost, so it just wasted my gas <laughs> and time. Yeah. So, we all did you get anything if they, if they lost? No. Oh, well, that's it bullshit. It was like gambling on its own. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it was kind of a lose-lose game. No, it's, yeah, but it's it's not my money, and yeah. I win if they win. So, it wasn't that and, and that's one of the certain mystiques of, you know, racing lore and things that happened in the past. You know, you don't think about things like there being bet runners anymore. And I'm, I'm knowing a little history of the game, I'm certainly aware of the, you know, young people, and people did that for a living almost in, in decades past. But, yeah, that's... You don't hear about that anymore because it's not necessary. So that's just one of the things that uh, part of racing history has kind of vanished in the history books. Oh yeah, listen, uh, hey Vance, if you didn't know, I grew up shady. Um, we always, when we also uh, had a bunch of people that were uh, ticket cashers. You know, the people that didn't have uh, jobs and didn't have to claim it. Um, and you'd give them like ten percent of your winnings, and you'd have to pay taxes. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I grew up around, Vance, in case you're wondering. <laughs> oh, don't, don't we, let we, 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 yeah, no, no. <laughs> we've all been, we've all been there, I think, and we've all contemplated something like that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Um, so, Vance, let me get right on to, um, uh, I'm, first, I'm going to do my five questions for you, Vance. Um, I don't know if you've listened before, but I always do five simple questions, and pretty, I'm sure they're easy for you to answer uh you don't have to give a big explanation if you don't want to um and my five questions to you will be number one what's your favorite horse of all time uh i anticipated this question and uh, after some thinking i landed on see the stars I don't know if you follow european racing or have in the last 10 15 years but see the stars Mm -hmm. It was a tremendous racehorse in 2009, and uh, I latched onto him in the 2000 Guineas, which is the first Triple Crown race in England, mm -hmm. and I cashed on him at 10 to 1, and he was a beautifully bred horse, uh, half-brother to Galileo, who's a superstar yep. sire, and then uh, I just followed See the Stars through a very historic uh, campaign uh, in Europe that entire season as a three-year-old. He went on to win the Epsom Derby. He went on to win the uh, Eclipse Stakes, uh, the International, Judmont International at York, the Irish Champion Stakes, and then he capped it off with a win in the Arc de Triomphe in Longchamp, which is Europe's uh, biggest event, kind of our equivalent of the Breeders' Cup Classic. And it was a historic six-for-six six campaign. He actually emulated his mother uh, urban C by winning the arc. She had won the arc against the males uh, uh, in the early 1990s. And so he's, See the Stars was basically acclaimed one of the uh, best European horses in decades. Uh, definitely in this century, so far after 20 years. So uh, I was always excited for him to, to watch him from afar uh, reel off that historic campaign. And he still holds a spot in in, the, in my heart, I never, I don't think I 
can recall a horse I rooted for all the time when we set foot on the track. So see the stars for me. That is number one. That is awesome. Um, and, and you went European, which is which is fantastic. See the stars. Um, wow. I, I I kind of remember the name. I'll be honest. Um, kind of. I don't know if I watched the horse, but that that is great. Uh, so everybody out there, see the stars. Look it up. We'll put something out there about see the stars so they can watch them. And uh, so number two, Vance. What about right now, running right now? Who's your favorite horse? That one's a little tougher. I don't think I necessarily have a favorite right now, but I, I'll give you a couple of horses I'm looking forward to uh, seeing race again this year once racing gets resumed at a, on a more national basis. Uh, one of them would be uh, uh, Code of, Hon of Honor, who won the uh, one of the top three olds last year, uh, elevated to first in the Jockey Club Gold Cup, won the Travers last year. Very good three-year-old last year. I didn't think uh, running in the Breeders' Cup Classic at Santa Anita last year was uh, the best move for that horse. I know why they did it. I think they were trying to pursue the three-year-old championship. I didn't quite think Santa Anita was going to be would be the best place for him to perform his best and it that's the way it turned out and uh, but with the breeders cup at keeneland this year i think that's going to be well, a track that will be a lot more suitable for his style and uh and he should be prepping quite a bit in new york before the breeders cup this year so i'm looking forward to seeing him and then another horse i'll mention is the reigning turf female champion uni who had a just <laughs> developed into a tremendous uh, mare last year beating the boys of the Breeders' Cup mile and uh, her, her turn of foot in, in, in her last few races, a couple races last year, was just absolutely tremendous. And she's just exciting to watch. And so I'm looking forward to seeing her back in action at some point. That's great. And you just stole one of my bonus questions on the Who's the Horse's Ass segment, by the way, with Uni, which they never would have gotten in the millionaires. But that was a bonus question. Um, All right. <laughs> Um, I, I was hoping you'd go turf because, you know, obviously I, I dubbed you the king of the turf. So I was glad you went there on that one. Um, the next one is who's your favorite jockey of all time? Uh, the first Kentucky Derby that I really paid attention to and watched all the prep races leading up to was 1987. That was Ali Sheba's year. Chris McCann. Hey.
Sam Hernandez yeah. Jr. <laughs> he, he, he's already had a he's been in the he's ridden the Kentucky Derby several times. He's had some good mounts in it. He hit the big time with Fort Larned winning the Breeders' Cup Classic uh, seven eight years ago. So we know he's very capable. We know he's uh, has a we know he can ride the big races. He just doesn't seem to have the opportunities that a lot of other jockeys do. And I think some of that to an extent has to do with, you know, wintering at fairgrounds uh, and then spending the summers in Kentucky. Uh, tough circuits, no doubt, but, you know, you don't get the big stables like Todd Pletcher, Bob Baffert, um, Chad Brown running horses on that circuit all the time. But, Put, put Hernandez on a good horse. He's going to find you a way to get to the winner's circle. And I hope nothing for the, but the best going forward for Brian Hernandez. I think he's got a lot of big races and a lot of big victories ahead of him in his career, for sure. I only laughed when you said that because Brian was supposed to be on the show last week and we have him scheduled, I think, to come on soon uh we just had some difficulties about we were supposed to talk to brian it's so funny you said that um and the, and the interesting story with brian is you know doing the research is I, I didn't realize it at the time that he was the first jockey of rachel alexander and god i had, for, I had forgotten that yeah if i knew that if i remember that at all yeah no he uh and got um bumped off uh for uh burrell and then Burrell obviously won like nine straight races. So he wasn't getting back on. And yeah, he was the first jockey for Rachel Alexander. And I wanted, and also the fact that he had two horses and I want, which I'm going to find out when we talk to him is, uh, it was, oh, AJ, do you remember the names of the horses with Brian? He was in the Derby and God, I haven't written down somewhere. He was in the Derby with two horses that year, a couple of years ago. AJ, do you remember that at all? We talked about it because you corrected me. Yeah. Um, you have two horses. I think, I think you might be referring to McCracken and Irvin. Yes, yes, exactly. Yep, that was right, it was. Yes, McCracken and Irvin, and he rode them both to uh, Derby prep races. And he had two horses that were, you know, studs going to the Derby. And it is really weird that. I think you're right. I think underrated wise, yeah, Hernandez and I guess on, on your circuit around there, is there any better, really? Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. If, York, if, if there is, it's very, there's very little difference, I think, uh, between him and the very top. If there is a difference, he's definitely a go-to rider, regardless of the horse and He's a good money rider for sure. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And we'll tell him you said that when we talk to him. Yeah, please, please do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so the next one is your fa favorite jockey. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Favorite racetrack. We already did jockeys. Favorite racetrack. Uh, um, and I'm going to go with this a Kentucky one, right? Uh, actually, no, I'm going to go a little bit outside the box. I'm going to tell you that my all-time favorite track, unfortunately, hasn't run a thoroughbred meet in over 20 years or nearly 20 years. And that my all time favorite track was Hialeah in Miami. In Miami. Wow. All right. I lived in Hollywood beach, so I know oh. of Hialeah. Yeah. Yeah. It, 
it was just a, a beautiful place. Uh, top class racing when it used to have the uh, prime winter dates down there. Uh, I urge listeners to read up on Hialeah and you can discover what a lost treasure that is. But as far as tracks operating today, uh, I've had a chance to go to Oaklawn Park a lot more in the last few years uh, to cover some of their big events. And I first visited there in the mid 1990s when I was in high school. And when I went back uh, in the last few years, you know, I, it, the place just kind of grew on me. I mean, it's top, it's kind of like Saratoga Springs in the sense where the, the entire community revolves around the racetrack and revolves around the race meet there every winter. So uh, it's just a very popular event. It brings huge crowds on the weekends. It's kind of a throwback track in that sense. But on top of that, you have top quality racing. Uh, it's a very bettable product. You have the crowds and the atmosphere. You've got wonderful people that both run the track work there and in the community the community is just friendly as can be and then if you're you're talking if you're visiting hot springs i mean for a town of its size it's just uh it's got a wonderful dining scene so hot springs oaklawn park uh, to me i think is uh, a treasure not to be missed which i think is a, a lot of popularity right now because they're the spotlight yeah. you know over all these other tracks which is good good for oaklawn and one thing we just, one thing I took out of this whole thing is Vance and I must be around the same age because of the high school reference in the mid 90s. So, uh, yep, yeah. I, am I might be older because I was in high I am, school in the 90s. I'm, so, I graduated I'm, in 94. Oh, I'm, I'm a 95 graduate. So oh, so you're are. younger than me. I'm the old man here. I get it. Yeah. Damn, I feel. Um, that's fantastic. So, um, yeah, Oaklawn, that's good. I, I like how Vance is going outside the box. Yeah. Um, so thank you for those five answers and we won't take up too much more of your time, Vance, cause I know you're probably busy, but I do would like to hear your top five derby selections before we do the, who's the horse's ass real quick. Well, I have a top 10 list on KentuckyDerby.com and uh, my top five in order so far, number one, Maxfield. Yes. Which is a, a little bit outside the box as well. Uh, number two, Authentic. Three, Tis the Law. Four, Sol Volante. And five, Wells Bayou. That's what I have as far as uh, after this past week's racing action. I love it. Uh, Maxfield dropped in the... Uh, Odds. He was. He's my. He's my number four. Um, I have Maxfield. I believe Sarah has Sol Volante and Tizalaw and Authentic and Wells Bayou. I don't have Authentic, but I have Wells Bayou, Sol Volante, Tizalaw. All right. So basically, yours combined all of ours, which mm -hmm. I guess most people's do. Um, any any horses to watch, Vance? Do you think that are off the radar? Like I put Money Moves in there. I don't know if you know the horse or not. I put him in there. Um, any horses to watch? Uh, Might have been off the radar, but maybe come on for the people out there listening. Uh, I, I don't have a specific horse that, say, wasn't included in the uh, Derby Future wager this past weekend. I think the most likely winner is going to come out of that long list. Um, I can only say that 
you know, horses I'm interested to see how they progress over their next few races. Obviously, uh, Charlatan for Bob Baffert was very impressive so far, and he was the uh, shortest price individual entry in the uh, future wager this past week. And so he's kind of a popular choice out there. But I'm also kind of interested to see uh, how Honor AP for John Sheriffs improves. I think he's been considered for the Arkansas Derby next month. And also King Guillermo, the Tampa Bay Derby winner. Uh, he's also pointing for Arkansas. So I think uh, that race at Oakland in a few weeks is going to answer a lot of questions about these horses. Yeah, no, I agree. And I love the Maxfield angle because I talked about this because um, he's on my list that I think September is perfect for him coming off that. Like, I think he had like a bone chip or something. Um, I, I think Maxfield, it was dominant before and now. He's just at that time off. Uh, authentic, I mean, and we'll talk about we'll talk about this when we do ours. I mean, a house a horse that can bounce off the rail like that, and if he can calm down, he seems so fast. So oh, ab fast. absolutely. And uh, yeah, and once he gets his head on straight, uh, he's got the talent. It's just a, it's just all mental with him right now. And I think the blinkers. That were added for his most recent start, I believe. I believe they added blinkers that he, he was a lot more professional uh, second in the San Felipe. So yeah, that worked. And uh, going back to Maxfield, uh, I, I voted for for him two-year-old champion for Eclipse Award last year. And you're right that uh, the situation that we find ourselves in couldn't have worked out any better for. Uh, for Maxfield because, you know, he was a bit behind the eight ball due to that injury. He's probably only going to get one chance in the derby prep uh, to earn the necessary points. And now he's got all that additional time. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, you know, if he lives up to our expectations. Yeah. Um, we're not going to bother you with ripping through ours right now because you almost summed up most of ours, which is kind of uh, funny. Like I said, the only one weird I think I have on there, you mentioned almost all of ours because you did mention what King Guillermo that was Alex yep. picked him. Yeah. Uh, and obviously Alex picked uh, mischievous Alex too. Um, he's not going to the stakes this weekend. AJ, I don't know if you knew that or not, or Vance. I just read that he's not going to the Oakland stakes this weekend. Um, which I think we'll, we already probably reported on the news at this point. Um, but uh, we won't bore you with ours right now because you hit those. We'll get into those a little bit later. So let's get right on to our, our game where I'm going to put AJ and Sarah, and they have not seen these questions. And Vance, we're going to take your word, and I don't think you have to because we don't see you right now. Look these questions up, especially since I realized my questions and you have a vote in the Eclipse Award. So I, obviously this question is going to be totally sliding towards you. And I'm going to start. They're going to go first, fans, because don't worry about it. They're going to get it wrong, and you're going to hear them say the dumbest answers in the world. And then you're going to give them the real answer, all right? Is that cool, Vance? You ready to go? We're cool. Let's go. All right. So the first one is, can is this for AJ and Sarah? Vance, you'll get a chance to answer this after they get it wrong. The last two. Triple crown winners. Name them. American Pharaoh. Okay. 
Secretariat. AJ, do you agree with Secretariat? Is that where we're going? No, now, there was there was way more than that. Secretary was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. so was a never mind. There was a bunch in the seventies though. Okay. A bunch. Well, like, there's like wasn't there like three or four or something like that? Vance, this is what I deal with. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so what's your answer, guys? Um what'd you say? I don't remember. Yeah, let's go for it. All right. So Secretary, it's an answer. You are wrong. Um Vance to steal. Way to go, Sarah. Vance, who was the before the last two? Who was the third to last to win the triple crown? I'm gonna take a wild guess and say affirmed. You are correct, Vance. Ah, that was a wild guess. You know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. Um, just for a bonus question, seeing if these guys know, how many triple crown winners have there been? Thirteen. Okay, that's right. I don't know how that you. Sounds that sounds like a good number. Yeah. AJ, that's ridiculous. Yeah. You looked that up before. Where you're looking it up right now? Before, okay. yeah. Okay, so you guys already made. I do every talk. once in a while look shit up about, about what we're talking about. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, so my next question, so you guys can blow this one as well. Yeah. <laughs> Vance, you have a real big advantage with this one. Who was, and this is easy, who was the male turf horse of the year last year, the Eclipse Award winner? Well, I guess this year, the past. Eclipse Award winner. Male Turf Horse of the Year. There's a award for turf and not turf? Yes. Oh. Sarah. AJ's useless. I um I, I don't know the I don't know the turf horse. Okay, you know the horse. But I don't think I know. Okay, so you guys don't know. No. Okay. All right, Vance, can you uh, tell them what the male tour force of the year was? Uh, it was bricks and mortar. Oh, Thank you. Oh, my goodness. No, also, that was my guess. of the year. Yes. Correct. Yes. The question last yes. week. Which yes, was horse we did. Yep. Okay. All right, so I'm going to – okay, so my third question is obviously Vance already won, and you knew he was going to win. You just like – Wait, there's only two questions, and we got one. We've had three Yeah, but you missed the time. Okay. You did get one. Okay. We're not out of this yet. I feel like there's this is bullshit. Okay. Can't give up yet. Three jockeys were nominated for Jockey of the Year last year in the Eclipse Award. Irad Ortiz Jr. won. Name one of the other two jockeys nominated. Uh, Mike Smith. Good guess. Yeah. Uh, is that your guess too, AJ? Um. Okay, nobody I'm, wants to hear you guys think for I know. five minutes. I'm thinking, no, yeah. okay. no let's yeah. go Rosario. I'm going to go with him. Oh, not a bad guess, but you're wrong. Uh, Vance. Javier Castanello. <laughs> Javier Castellano? <laughs> yeah, that one.
All right. Well, that was fun. That was a good time. And we kind of mentioned it a little bit with Vance about our horses, obviously. He mentioned a few of ours. So let's get right into our top five derby contenders. And I'm just sitting pretty with mine. So I'll go over them again. But uh, let's go over our top five derby contenders. We'll start with you, AJ. Anything new on yours? Where, just remember everybody, AJ likes to change his every week so that at some point within the next four months, he will be right with one of these horses. Go ahead, AJ. Let us know what you got this week. So I'm going to keep the same five. And for no other reason than just pure boredom, I'm going to switch my one and two. I'm going to go off the tick. I've done that too. Number two is Nadal. Three, Charlatan. Four, Mischievous Alex. And five, I'm going to keep King Guillermo in there because why the hell not? Nothing's happened since the last time we gave this. All right. Well, wait, wait. Name your, name your one again because I was talking over you. I apologize for that. Name your one again. No, you missed your opportunity. I'm not saying it. Okay. Okay. You want to talk over me? Fuck you. I'm not going to type. <laughs> well, okay. Well, it doesn't matter because <laughs> we all know. It well, everybody out there wants to know who to throw out in the derby. So you might want to give your number one again. You mean number five? You said authentic. I believe you said authentic. So do you know the odds yep. on those, AJ, or do we need to go over them? Our last pool, our last pool, which I think is bullshit. Well, what I had written down was different from what you guys had just looked up, so you might want to go. Okay. We have authentic 10 to 1. Nadal, was that you two? That was you two, mm-hmm. correct? 9 yeah. to 1. Charlatan, 5 to 1. Uh, mischievous Alex, 45 to 1. You can go two turns, not a bad bet. And King Guillermo, 35 to 1. So I'm way more chalky than you. Um, way more what? Have one that's not even on the board. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, you can do yours now. And mine haven't changed at all. We got Charlatan is now 5 to 1. Honor AP, 15 to 1. Tis the Law, 5 to 1. Wells Bayou, 25 to 1, and Sol Volante at 30 to 1. All right. Um, so I guess I go to mine. Yep. Mine's exactly the same. Authentic. And we already went over that. 10 to 1. Charlatan, 5 to 1. Nadal, 9 to 1. Maxfield dropped in the odds. Didn't run. I think everybody's getting on to this, what we talked about where he was in an injury, coming back. He's a stud. Or he's not actually a stud. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Uh, Nine to one. And money moves, which I'm really, really pissed off that I got to get him with the field. That's three to one. Please put him on there. He would be like 50 to one. Please give me him on that one. Please. But instead, if I bet the field, it's three to one, which tells you something, everybody. That it's so long away. I don't think the field's ever been favored over the favorite, whoever the favorite is. 
and it's three to one to bet any other horse. So that means they think the odds are, I mean, you get a ton of horses and that might sucker you into that bet. But it's the favor that one of the horses that are there are going to win. That just shows you something. Um, Everybody, the youngest horse ever to win the Kentucky Derby was a Mayful. I don't know if anybody understands this, and I'll explain it to everybody. If you don't, and for the people that know, just, I don't know, fast forward. When January comes around, January 1st, every horse turns that year older. Obviously, so they want horses that are born in January, February, March, um, because they're that much older when they turn three. It's not their actual birthday. Mm-hmm. Mind that bird actually won, fun fact, won the Kentucky Derby at the actual age of two. The actual age. He, I think he's the only one. So that's a little fun fact. So these, these horses that are Mayfoles or just not strong enough, even if they're born earlier, just haven't grown yet. They hit a growth spurt later. They're going to be involved. It's a whole different ballgame. Anyway. Yeah, who knows? And that's my fun fact for the day. <laughs> You're not getting another one. That's it. All right. Let's go on to another uh, segment that we're starting out now, which I think everybody would be interested in. And since we have very limited tracks, it's – Obviously, maybe but obvious to a lot of people. But All the other jockeys are in their silks, and he's just there. Yeah. He's auditioning for Tiger King. <laughs> <laughs> yes. New job. He needs a back. Yeah. He's switching from horses to tigers. Good for him. So, <laughs> Mike Smith, number one hot jockey, no shirt on. Fantastic, Mike. If you're out there listening, which I'm sure you're not, <laughs> put a shirt on. Man. Uh, put a shirt. Oh. Uh, well, yeah, no, hot jockey. Um, we got Tyler. Just to just. We are talking about bubbles from Trailer Park Boys, are we not? When you talk about Mike Smith, <sighs> right? No. no, we're not. No, that's not. Oh, Mike Smith. Mike Smith oh, because I googled it and I was like, Mike Smith doesn't have a shirt off. On <laughs> yeah, actually, actually, Bubbles called in and he was like, and he was like, uh, "You fucking guys, you don't fucking know what you're doing, and you fucking tell me I got no shirt on. It's Randy that wears no shirt. You fucking assholes." Oh my god. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. That, that was my Bubbles invitation. For yeah, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. That was good.
Busy site. Tyler Gaffleone and Tyler Gaffleone Day, like they have a day yeah. in Broward County. They yeah. really do. Yeah. They have a Tyler Gaffleone Day. Yes. March 10th, every year. Like a holiday? It's like a holiday just for him. Well, I don't know if it's an actual holiday. Did they go to school? <laughs> School's canceled that day. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Tyler Gaffleone. We actually. need to research Tyler Gaffleone a little more. He must do a lot for like the county. Well, he's just that good. Okay, well, bet on the jockey that has a day named after him. First right. off. <laughs> One day there'll be a G. Randall Johnson day. And it's called Armageddon. Yeah, not, not a good day. Not a good day at all. All right, that's interesting. Yeah, so keep an eye out for him Thursday. We'll see if he can keep his winning streak up this weekend. Yeah, I mean, Gabriel Owen's been really good. Um, once again, kind of flying under the radar. I mean, Saez has kind of popped up from there. Uh, but he's won a lot of races, Gaffleone. Yeah, um, more than 1,250 wins in six years. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Not bad. That's 1,249 more wins than I've had in my lifetime. So Exactly. It's really good. Uh, all right. Um, he's won a Preakness, I believe. Yeah, 2019. Yeah. War of Will. War of Will. Yeah. So, yep. all right. And he won the Pegasus World Cup turf invitational. That's a lot of money. Zulu Alpha. Yeah. A lot of money. One million. A lot of money. Uh, good for you. All right. So, hot jockey this week, Tyler Gaffleone. Not that many jockeys to pick from, obviously, right now. And, right. but he's still a good jockey. So, good for him. Hey, this is my time to talk about a horse to watch. I'll keep it quick. I know our interview went a little bit long, but it was fantastic. So I'll just keep this one quick. A horse to watch ran last week in, well, last Saturday in the 11th race at Gulfstream, and it's Sona Man. Came from last, went off 5-1. to one. I believe I talked about him before on horses to watch. Needs a little bit of time. Came off a Belmont win at a mile before this. So 5-1, to one, that was crazy. Maybe because he cut back at seven furlongs, but last to first. Rosario aboard, of course. When you go last to first, he's probably aboard. That's a whole different situation. We'll see what happens. But this horse needed time. Take a look at this finish. And Sonneman still last. 44 and 4 for the opening half mile. I'll fight Dempsey, still the target. On the outside, Ralston is right alongside second. Three back to Golden Candy, third. Less than a quarter of a mile to go. Ralston, he's running a huge race, and he just took over from I'll fight Dempsey. At the inside in Golden Candy, a late run from last in Sonneman. In deep stretch, Ralston still with work to do. He's all heart. Sonneman's gaining. Golden Candy is gaining, but Sonneman's gaining best. Sonneman from last. The first to win under Joel Rosario. our segment from AJ Ryder, which is AJ's 
degenerate corner. AJ, this is where we talk about maybe a race that he's looking forward to betting, which could be anywhere. You don't know. And also what AJ is betting other than that, what's out there. So, AJ, take it away. Tell me what's going on in the world of you in Bovada or wherever you're at betting, because I'm sure it's ridiculous. The world, yeah. Okay, so in my world, um, obviously the big one coming up, which I think is um, very interesting, is the Celebrity Golf Tournament that's going to go on between Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Also, with Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, which I think is uh, – we don't have a, a set date or time on this one yet at all. But somehow, Team Peyton um, is – Wait, what's uh, the teams? AJ, what's the team? Well, I said we don't know the teams yet. Oh. So right now, it's going to be Peyton Manning is the captain. Tom Brady is the captain. And the other stipulation in order for um, to get any action on this is that Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson have to play. We don't know who's partners yet, but somehow Peyton, Team Peyton, just because Peyton Manning's Well, Phil won the Phil won the uh, the match that they had. The match well, that, I feel like if Phil's uh, like one and one. On one with gambling involved, he's 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 because that's who he is. Um, I'm I, yeah. If it's Payne and Phil, all day Payne and Tiger might be close. You don't know. Yeah. You know? I don't know. So that that's that's what's out there. Any other interesting uh, matchups you're looking at for everybody? Well, else? yeah. So if anybody's uh, big into darts,
NFL games uh, on Madden. And there's no, like, definite schedule. They just kind of give it to you the morning of. But, like, today we had uh, Jacksonville take on Indianapolis. And they give you spread the over-under the whole the whole ball of – whole ball. And, um, like, today we've got the New England Patriots taking on the Cowboys. The Patriots are getting three points in this one with the over-under at 57-and-a-half. Are these all, like, the new rosters, happened. though? Like, do the Patriots have to – So, the way, they, the way they do these, yeah, it's, it's the rosters, the update that happened at the end of this past season – they sim it with 15-minute quarters in all Madden mode, and uh, you can watch all these ones on uh, on Twitch. So I'm taking the Patriots. Some, what of a semblance of it? I'm taking the Patriots all day. Plus three, yeah, yeah. But Madden's so much different because of Patriots didn't get a lot of love um, on those most recent roster updates. Oh, well, okay. I and then guess. later on today, this is the big one. This is the big one. Kansas City today. They are 11.5-point favorites against Oakland. Oakland is at home. Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, a tough one. I feel like more of a degenerate from listening to this. <laughs> I know. As you should. It, what am I, there's, this is the big one, though, that I, I really want to make sure it gets out of here. That I need to tell everybody about because this is my favorite. So they've got uh, – on Bovada, they've got prop bets under under entertainment, and right now you can bet on will Pornhub be in the top thirty United States websites at the end of April on April twenty fifth. Hundred percent. Yes. Will Pornhub? House. Yes. Yeah. Here's the thing, and this is, and if you're listening, yeah, bet the house on this. Pornhub right now in in the United States is number eight. <laughs> wow. Not to mention, followed by X videos at number eleven. Uh, XNXX, another adult website, is number thirteen. And I think there was one more adult website. Oh, X Hamster is at number twenty-nine. So you've got four four websites in the top thirty, and Pornhub clearly the, the number one leader in porn uh, in the United States. And to think that they're not going to finish in the top thirty is just absurd. And just remember, that wasn't actually the order. It was just Alex's search history. So yeah. <laughs> It was actually both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be number 8 and 13, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, wow. So those are some interesting bets. Uh, seems like that's a no-brainer with Pornhub. So go with Pornhub, uh, the Cobra, and uh, the Patriots. I'm going with there. Uh, can you parlay those at all? Uh, you could parlay the um, the NFL teams, yeah. Wow. I feel like if you are actually betting on these, I don't want to support this at all. I think you should call a number and maybe uh, get some help. I used to yeah. make fun of people like I'm like, if the day you're betting WNBA games, uh, you know, you have a problem. Not even close. This isn't even close. Well, and on the flip side of that, if you want some insight and advice on how to bet these games, you can hit me up on Twitter, uh, and I'll give you my free picks. And I'll give one right there, even though it'll be too late by the time anyone hears this. Taking Dallas, uh, giving up three today against the Patriots at home, I think that's a lock. I think you got to take Dallas uh, with, against the spread here. 
And if you get it in on time, if it's out there, and let it ride on Pornhub. <laughs> and then all of your winnings take it. Because we can all make, we a, we can make a parlay on it. That is a lot. Anyways, it's not the same time. We're good with that. So anything in You're getting pretty good odds, too, on, uh, on a Pornhub bet as well. Well, good. Wow. All right. So anybody out there that's uh, under the age of 18 that's typing into the computer right now, I apologize to your parents, but it's going to happen sooner or later. So, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, now that we've got this debauchery finished, <laughs> let's say goodbye. Uh, for me, G. Randall Johnson, I'm out of here. Tell everybody where they can find us and all that other good stuff. See ya. All right. Bye, guys. Later. All right. We want to give a special thanks today for our guest, Ed DeRosa and Big Gary, for coming on today. Triple Clowns is a production of the team at Big Umbrella. Rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Send us your questions at clowns at gmail.com, and you may be featured on a future episode. Follow us on social media at Clowns Triple on Twitter and Instagram, and follow me, AJ Ryder, at Troy McLean WWE on Twitter. Like and subscribe to our show on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. All right, guys, for AJ Ryder, I'm out of here. See you later, everybody.